0: This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Kate Cohen, and we cover a little bit of everything from honesty and self talk to her journey to meeting Tony Robbins and the upcoming Man's Search for Meaning film, mental health, master course Hollywood, and the concept of just do it, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Kate Cohen. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Kate Cohen. Kate, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. We have so much to talk about in the world of producing, and I, you know, I also want to talk about self-talk and getting to yes and work-life balance and so much more. But before we get to any of that, I would like to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up?
1: well i was actually very young i think i was in high school when twin peaks david lynch's twin peaks came out and i was absolutely floored inspired and amazed by david lynch and his style and um i wanted to make movies like him uh, even though i didn't end up doing that (laughs) I, i very inspired by his style and just sort of the art form and being creative and whatever's in your mind, being able to put that on a screen and the whole process of filmmaking was so interesting to me. So my dream was really to work with David Lynch. And then it obviously changed as, as, as my life went on. But that's how this whole thing started. And I started out wanting to be creative, not a producer.
0: And what was that? Was there an inciting moment for you or a definitive moment in time where this decision was made?
1: To be a producer or to be into the film business?
0: Let's do both. Let's do both. Let's start with the, if the film business one came first, we'll do that and then producer.
1: Yes. So I'll tell you the the short version of the story because obviously it's my life. So there's a long version, but um, I was very young. I mean, I was like 20, 21 years old. I moved to New York City and I started taking acting classes and um, I realized that I didn't want to do that. I wasn't passionate about being an actor. So... I just, you know, I was with a lot of creative people. I think who you surround yourself with is so important. And I was with a mix of creatives, whether it was actors, writers, directors. And there was a guy who shared with me half of a script that he wrote. And again, I was in my early twenties and I thought the script was brilliant and it needed work. And so I was a kid, I had nothing to lose. This is the best part about not being jaded and about not having the experience because yes. he'll do anything, And I think there's something so important in that. And I ended up writing the script with him. We both wrote the script together. And I'm a very ambitious person. And I wanted to get it made. And somebody was going to finance it and make it. And it all seemed so perfect and too good to be true. And then she dropped out. And I had a choice to say, oh, my God, do I want to take all this time that I've worked on it, all this passion and let it go? Do I want to find someone else or do I want to just do it myself? Because if I do it myself, then I'm in control of of the fate of this. So I Googled, what does a producer do? (laughs) makes me laugh. Oh, I love it. Truly how I started. And that was how the whole journey began.
0: And how I'm really curious to get like really granular on this moment. What was that? Was there a self-talk there? Was there a doubt like a self-doubt and a self-talk to make that decision? Or was it pretty spontaneous?
1: You know, I had nothing to lose. I I was not I did not grow up privileged. I worked really hard. I don't think there was a self-talk. I think the self-doubt and self-talk came once I started it. <sighs> but The decision to do it, I I I don't even know that I thought much about it. I just was going to figure it out. Once I started taking those steps, then all of the doubt and fear and all that started happening. Yeah,
0: I mean it was we, pretty scary. <laughs> Yeah, which we we will get into and I thank you in advance for jumping around here. I want to hop over to um growing up. What were what did your parents teach you about work ethic?
1: to work really hard. Um, And to be honest, my parents were very responsible. Um, Bills were always paid, lights were always on, food was always on the table. So it was, you know, showing up on time, if not early, uh, working hard, harder than everybody else. um, And being honest, and being kind. So that was And then they threw me out (laughs) and told me to go figure it out.
0: (laughs) Trial by fire. (laughs) Similar, similar question as well. What did your parents teach you about kindness?
1: Um, you know, I think I'm, you are who you are by nature. And I am just a nice person, a kind person. And so I think it was just embracing who I already am. More than teaching me how to be kind is it comes very natural to me. I'm extremely. Like caring, open hearted person, so I didn't have to be taught a whole lot to be kind.
0: I think that's also something so interesting, particularly in the entertainment industry with staying true to yourself. Because you will meet a lot of people by nature. It just seems like the entertainment industry gravitates those those types that are maybe not true to themselves or maybe not <laughs> honest. So when you're surrounded by that, keeping a true north is so important, keeping yourself grounded.
1: Yeah, I think you also have to... The one thing people don't teach, and I noticed this at school, is we don't learn people skills. Like yes. how to read the room how to deal with people how to listen you know i i find that you know even the most difficult people in this business i got along with very very well because people skills was my that's i walked into this business with people skills i think i just had i was very savvy i lived in new york and i didn't have everything handed to me so i had to figure out a lot in life and and staying true to yourself isn't that hard. There's this misconception that you have to screw people over in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I've done small movies. I've done giant movies. I did $120 million movie with Warner brothers. I've done a million dollar film. I've never had to be unkind, screw anybody over to get anywhere. Do you have to make hard decisions and be strong and a leader? Yes. Do you have to screw anybody over? Absolutely not. I think it's a big, big misconception. I think a lot of people are, stay away from success because they feel they have to do that in order to be successful and you really don't
0: i thank you for saying that
1: (laughs) i wanted to say one more thing i know i can count on two hands extremely successful wealthy smart people that are the kindest people i know so i just really want to hit that point home you do not have to be I'm trying not to curse
0: because it's a podcast and I have such potty <laughs> mouth. It's yes. And I, I, that saying it's a dog eat dog world. I've never seen a dog eat another dog. It's not. I agree. It's not. And it's the, and the competition of it all. We all want to do well. We all want to do great work, but it's not really by nature. Some things will succeed. Some things will fail. You know, you'll win or you'll learn and you don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> I agree. It's a people game. It is. So I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you saying that where besides upbringing and parents, does that, is that influenced by any mentors? And I, do you have any mentors or have you had any mentors and some standout lessons maybe that come to mind?
1: So I'm going to plug him in. He's a dear friend of mine and somebody I'm working with, but I did not know him at the time. Um, So I was broke, broke, like stealing shampoo from Equinox Uh, because I couldn't afford to shampoo my hair and I was really at the bottom I was so low you know I talk about writing the script and getting you know I didn't tell you the journey about getting financed or anything yet but I was in a pretty low place and I uh, picked up Tony Robbins tapes and um, I listened to his tapes and I think because he was a street kid and he had been through so much I just really related to him as a person Um, Because he figured all this out on his own as well. Well, of course, with mentors, I really responded to his program and I started going to all of his events and like doing a huge personal shift because it's all mindset, right? That gets you there. It's all mindset. And I was not in the right mindset. So he really helped me, him, Napoleon Hill, a lot of people that are not alive anymore, all these books that I'm really into, but Tony was such an important part of my journey. And then I happened to be lucky enough to be now producing man's search for meaning. I don't know if you know the book, but I'm producing man's search for meaning with him and now he's in my life, but he was a huge part of my journey. And I have like so much to thank him for because of him.
0: I we're going to, we're going to do this a lot. So thank you for going along with me here. What was the connection to man's search for meaning and Tony Robbins of you producing the film?
1: So, um, I, and by the way, you can bounce around as much as you want. It's perfect for my ADD. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I heard about Man's Search for Meaning when I was at an event of his, because he plugged it in at the event Said it's you know, the greatest book I read it. I thought it was amazing. That's it. Nothing. My grandparents are Auschwitz survivors. So I obviously have a connection there. Um, years later, after I was financed, I had already made transcendence and, so you know, our career had totally changed. Um, and, uh, this was God. I don't, I don't know if I could talk about God, the universe. I believe in, God. Yes. Uh, you know, I uh, have a spiritual connection. A woman came into my office who was selling the rights. She had the rights and couldn't get it done. She wasn't a producer and selling the rights. It fell into my lap. And I freaked out and pursued the hell out of it. Um, and I was up against a couple different studios that wanted it. Um, again, people game, people skill, um, something I'm very good at. And I knew I was gonna beat out of their studios. And um, I did. And then I get a call from an agent that this is Tony Robbins' favorite book and wanted to talk to me. And I thought, oh my God, how funny. I heard about it from him. And here we are, full circle, 10 years later, he's calling me to talk about about the rights to this book. And I was overjoyed because I think he's amazing. And um, that's how it started.
0: I love when the universe gives you signs. And if you're listening, if you're listening to them, they they, seem to be just like abundant gifts. I mean, when you're really on the right path, it's just things are just coming at you. It's really. And when you're on the wrong
1: path, they also give you signs.
0: And it gets louder and louder. And then the brick wall falls. And you're like, how did I not see this? And you look back and there were signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's a great story. I'm glad I asked. Going back to that very first project, too, because we're on a fundraising conversation here now. What was that after the person pulled out? What, was the, what were those steps and how did you navigate that?
1: So just, I want to make sure that I'm really clear for anyone who's listening. It took me six years. So it's not that I was, I don't want anyone to think, oh, this was so easy. She's lucky. I've heard all that before. Hmm. No, it was, it was, or maybe it was four years. I apologize. It was, it took me four years. So, um, you, I'm sorry, you said, what was it like to fundraise? Yeah.
0: What was that? What was the, what were those next steps for you? And what was that journey to get it done?
1: I feel like this is one of the most important parts of my story and sort of why I wanted to teach a course in the first place because fundraising is very scary to people. Yeah. And again, I had you know, money in it of itself, the topic of money is a very charged topic, right? For people with money and without money. And it can make it can make uncomfortable conversations or pleasant conversations. And you have to know how to talk about it. In my case, I did not. <laughs> I had only I don't know how you say that in English, balls. I had nothing to lose at all. So I asked everybody, I asked first, this is what I did. I told everybody that I was doing it. I was making this movie and I put myself on the hook so that I would be too embarrassed if it didn't happen. The stakes were way too high for me to not get the money. And I had to raise $1.5 million and I didn't have money to shampoo my hair. So you could think about how daunting that was. I'd never raised any money before. Um, And so at first I started asking everybody, I made so many embarrassing mistakes on how I asked and who I asked until I learned what not to do because I had so many no's And I started seeing how I was coming across, like my people skills had gone out the window because it was more of a desperation. So I pulled, you know, I did some work on myself, Mm -hmm. get some confidence um, and have a different uh, relationship with money and realize this is for me, just energy. It's an emotional game too. I don't care what anybody says. Um, And I partnered with somebody who had more experience than me, which was really smart. You know, your team is everything. And I surrounded myself with people that had been doing this for a long time and who I came across one investor named David Boyce. He's a massive attorney, um, very, very smart guy. And um, he ended up funding the film because by that time I had made so many mistakes and I had been hit so many times And I didn't give up. I kept learning from my mistakes. I finally got to my goal um, and raised the money. It was, I can't express the feeling when that happened.
0: What was the connecting tissue to David? Was that cold reach out? Was that from someone you had spoken to? Was that a, a, a six point connection?
1: So cold reach outs, I would get like one reply out of 300. So it was always like who I knew. And um, a friend of mine knew him and said, I feel like David would really like this project. And um, I thought, why would a lawyer put money into a film? (laughs) So never, never think you know everything. Um, And I got on the phone with him and we had a meeting at his office and this was all through a friend of mine. And he really liked the project. And, um, and then I became very good friends with his daughter and worked with his daughters. It's, It's been a very good experience, but that's how I met him was through a friend.
0: So in terms of this asking and asking for asking for money, how has that evolved for you? And what were those specific, if you will, uh, changes or adjustments in the way you think about it and the way you approach asking for money
1: well one you have to be prepared right yes so this is number one is you have to be prepared so learning what you need and learning who your team is i mean team team i will talk about team over and over and over again so having the right people the right partners and being prepared if you're prepared and you're present, you're presenting an opportunity, it's all how you look at it. So people think they're asking for, a, I've only heard, this is not everybody, only some people who've been afraid. A lot of people talk to me about raising money because I've raised over $200 million in film finance. And I, from my background, that's unusual, right? I didn't study finance. I didn't go to school for any of this. So what changed for me was my mindset, my relationship to money, realizing that I was presenting an opportunity to somebody and not a favor. Um, And that people have the right to say yes or no. So I'm not making anybody do anything. I, I, I have something that I believe in. I have a great product. I'm completely prepared to take in the money. I think it's a great opportunity. And I have a nice high network, high net worth network. And I go to them and it's a yes or no. But my relationship to money, who I am as a person, it's this is so much self-work and spirituality, in my opinion. Other people will disagree with me. It's all work business, not to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I've been able to raise so much money is because of the way that I look at it. It's a very it's energy, and I think you can't people not being prepared is what makes you feel insecure. And knowing the right questions to ask so that you can learn to be prepared. Because you also, how do you you become prepared if you don't know what you need? So you Mm. have to know how to ask the right questions. And so I think a lot of it is, um, I did the work. I put the self-work in and I put the work work in. And it worked out.
0: Life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. And that is exactly what you're saying. The more specific you get, Uh, closer to yes.
1: Yes. I I am an investor also, and I've had a lot of people come to me for money, and I would say 9 out of 10 are not prepared and don't know what they're talking about. So the one that is prepared sticks out.
0: I have to tell you, because I wear many hats, and I produce here in New York live theater, and we get inbounds all the time on the website. And so often, they're just... It's just like half of a thought thrown at a wall and the ones, and it's just like, you know, I question how badly at that point, like what you said about energy, I question how badly someone really wants what they're asking for because it's not even, it's not, it's not the way you, you know, get up and brush your teeth because that's a mandatory you know, it's this kind of like, well, maybe kind of, it's like, no, it's, what is it? What's the specificity? So I could go on for hours.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I think a lot of people don't know, and they don't know the questions to ask. I mean, think about what you learn in school and then you get in life and how much of it that you learned in school did you, do you need in your life? Yeah. So, um, right. I think people are vague largely because they don't know. Yeah. They don't know better. Yeah. They don't know.
0: Yeah. How do you find a balance between letting things happen and making things happen.
1: I don't think I let things happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Next question.
1: <laughs> I think I just make things happen. I um look, if I start to feel sick over something, if it physically affects me, mm. um then I let it go. Then I let things happen. But there's a difference in you. You have to be aware of yourself. There's a difference. You can feel when I have this thing when I want something to happen, I have to make it happen. I have no choice inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do it. If I start to get sick and it's not working out, I'll allow myself a pause and re-strategize. So that's thats the best I can say about balance. I'm not the most, I'm very controlling. So I don't know about letting things happen. <laughs>
0: I love that, though. I love the honesty. The um, Is there is there a particular project that we, I guess maybe we haven't talked about that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount?
1: Yes. Um, I just wrapped... Uh, we primarily do narrative features, and I just wrapped a docu-series on the teenage mental health crisis, and each episode targets a different system that is contributing to our teen mental health decline. So one is on the high pressure schools and suicide. One is on over-medicating kids and another is on the foster care system. And I was originally supposed to produce this and it ended up being not something to share. I ended up having to take over and directed all three episodes without ever directing before or ever making a documentary in my life. Um, And this is where my childhood dream came into play because I was really originally very creative and I got to let all that out in this series. And and so I learned so much about myself. You know, I was locked in an edit for two years. And it was the hardest work I ever did. It was the most important work. And we're helping children. It's won 12 awards, Village Roadshow selling it. So it's working out. But to learn about... There were so many times I wanted to give up and quit and I was angry and it was hard and I didn't want to do it and it was too much and I didn't sign up for it and all the poor me, it's too much, it's too hard. And I let myself feel all of that and keep pushing through and we ended up with a pretty incredible series that everyone's really happy with. Mm -hmm. So I learned so much about pushing through where I wanted to give up so bad. And seeing it all the way to the end.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, and I, I love what you're articulating in this conversation of once you make a decision, the decision is made and you go through to the end.
1: Well, you know what decide means to cut off all other options, right? Yeah. So that's what it means. So yes, it was not only a decision, but you have to be a responsible, this is work ethic too. people trusted me, hired me. You know, you have to have a good work ethic and I I can't express how much I wanted to give up. So I think what I learned is the resilience and exactly what you said about making decisions. There's no other choice. There's no way out. The only way out is through.
0: Yes. Yes. How has your taste evolved? Taste in projects and maybe taste in people. (laughs)
1: So in projects. I still like a good, like grounded story. Um, I don't know. I I like so many different kinds of stories. I don't know that my I love auteur filmmakers. I'm very artsy. Trying to marry the art and commercial world is not so easy, but we're working on it. I mean, I don't know that my taste has changed. I think I've evolved. Um, I'm a much better producer and As far as people, I just won't work with people on the life is too short list. I've worked with a lot of, you know, Mm. wonderful people and anyone that's outside of that box. I just, I'm at a place in my life that I just don't need it. I don't want to do it.
0: Which, yeah, well, that's going to tie into this very next question about changes you've made in your life to increase positivity and decrease negativity
1: i think it's boundaries it's having boundaries and um self-care you know i used to wake up at 6 a.m and immediately go to emails and and work until midnight and have absolutely no boundaries at all Hmm. so now starting to get up and not look at emails for an hour um, and then stop to be with my son and my husband and so i think increasing positivity our, our work boundaries and not doing things that I don't want to do and and not doing things for money it has to be a mission and money it can't just be money
0: what is your if you're willing what's your morning ritual how do you start your day
1: it depends on the month you ask me that so <laughs> the the best version of me is meditating and exercising. Um, the worst version of me is scrolling through bullshit on the internet. Um, so I, I have to say I need to get better at getting a ritual. That's something that I'm, I'm working on. I need to find a ritual that I want to do and not that I feel like I have to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm finding that a lot of my rituals have been have to's and not want to's. So I'm finding that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I speak personally. It's very tough not to look at email. The second you wake up, carrying over all of the worries of the previous day.
1: (laughs) And it's, yeah, and I'm running my own business. So I I have to, you know, it is the ritual that is one of my, is something that I do do no matter what. Every day I do a hot yoga sculpt class, no matter what. Clearing my mind, have to clear my mind through exercise, no matter what. That's the best I can give you on ritual. Um, But yeah. Sorry. I wanted to go back to that.
0: That's no exercise is everything. I mean, mental health and physical health. I I wish we had like a Lululemon for mental health. I wish that was a thing. I wish it was trendy as trendy as physical health. I know. I know.
1: I think that's going to come. That's, that's definitely on the horizon. I think, especially for young people, they're in a world feeling such doom and gloom. So yeah, we need
0: it. Do you have any most gifted books or favorite books?
1: So Think and Grow Rich might be my most favorite book of all time. He has another book called Outwitting the Devil, which sound, you know, first, I didn't want to read it because I don't want to read, you know, religious books is what I thought, but it wasn't at all. Mm. It's a fantastic books, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is fantastic. All of Tony Robbins books I love. Um, those are my favorite books. And man search for meaning. How dare I not say that? Man search for meaning.
0: Yeah, I I believe it was that book where I and I'm gonna I might butcher this where he he mentions it's not what it's not the circumstances it's how you respond, which blew my mind open in half on how it simply base doesn't really actually matter what comes your way, it's how simply how you respond.
1: Absolutely. What there's so there are so many messages and lessons in that book that I and the team have taken in hard times that truly stand the test of time. It is this man is brilliant. Anyone who hasn't read that book, I cannot recommend it enough, especially in today's world.
0: Yeah. Do you have um any common pieces of incorrect advice that you hear in life or in work?
1: Well, okay. <laughs> It's too hard. No, it's never going to work. Nobody wants this. That's not what. That's not what anyone. You know, no one's looking at dramas right now. No one's looking at, you know, whatever content. This is all work related. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of the the incorrect advice is nobody wants this. Never going to happen. You're never going to get that person. You're not going to raise any money. You know, and you you I hear that all over the place with work all over the place. Um, And I have found it to be, Toby Emmerich, who used to be the chairman of Warner Brothers said it best. He's like, you you just have to do what you wanna do because no one knows what they're talking about. Nobody knows what they're talking about. You have your own dream, your own path, your own career, follow your heart, follow your intuition, follow your gut. And that means finding the right people to ask, follow your gut. Are they the right people to ask? Are they the right mentors? Are they the right partners? There's a point in life where we have to trust ourselves, right? There's a point in life where we have to trust ourselves. So the incorrect advice is listening when I know better, listening Mm. to what other people are saying. I just don't like to listen to what they have to say if I don't agree with it.
0: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, it's so simple. (laughs) Well,
1: there's there's just, you know, your other people's advice comes from their fears. Mm. So you have to be very careful who you get advice from. Very careful. A lot of times people will want to share something and I'll say, No, 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 I'm okay. I'm not in a place to hear it right now. That way I just don't have to hear it.
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm not, not in a place, place to hear it right now. now. Yeah. That. Do you have um well I'll phrase it differently, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind?
1: I love Nike's slogan, just do it. Yeah. I really think it, it it eliminates all the internal noise. That slogan. So I would copy Nike.
0: <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. I.
1: It's my absolute. It's my absolute favorite.
0: It, it sums up this conversation so well, because that's simply it. Just do it. Whatever it is, just do it.
1: And don't do it alone. You got to find that. Yeah. I keep saying the right team. And again, this is why I'm teaching this course because it's so important. I feel like the raising money aspect of this is vital because if you want your own career in your own hands, it starts with the money.
0: Yes, it does. And that actually brings me to my next question here. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up today? What you're getting excited about, what you're looking forward to, what you're working on?
1: I'm really excited about this course, and I'll plug it in. It's it's MasterCourseHollywood.com. And it's an eight week course that I will, you know, this is this is from insider insider information. This is nothing that you can teach at a school. So I'm really excited to teach that. I'm excited about Man's Search for Meaning. We have um, we're working with writers, obviously not right now during the strike, but we're almost ready to make that film next year. And I have a couple films in pre-production that I'm super excited about. We're adding this wonderful new technology to my company, which will be announced in a few months. So I'm doing so many things despite the hardship that we're all facing right now in our business.
0: I, I, I love that. And I cannot wait to maybe do a part two with you in the future because we really hit it off so quickly and so deep on life. (laughs) And I know that. Well, thank you. I know the listeners are going to benefit from this because I've benefited from this. So I thank you for taking this time. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just very exciting. I'm very excited to see this man search for meaning. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. We'll invite you to the premiere.
0: (laughs) People of the world. Kate Cohen. (laughs) You've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.